strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! So I found something out on our flight home from Atlanta that you will not find in the player bio or the scouting report of our very special guest tonight on the Big Red Rage Wolf. That when he stops in the aisle of the team plane, like when you were chopping it up with him, right? You know, up there, Wolf. and uh, There is no getting around our guest when he is in the aisle. Uh, all 330-plus pounds of him. He is a barrier to entry or exit when he is in the aisle. You have to wait till he moves if you want to get back to the lavatory or anywhere else on that plane. I found that out firsthand right there on the flight home. You do that with everybody, though, Paul. Although to Paulie Pencilneck, <laughs> you're right. And pretty much everything's a barrier to entry. It's the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, and our special guest is... Starting right guard Will Hernandez here on the Big Red Rage. Uh, Will, welcome in. And uh, I, I know this is, we're going to start right off the top. And we're going to talk a lot of football. But sometimes some things go way beyond the game itself. And we saw the Monday night football game. And we saw how DeMar Hamlin, the 24-year-old Bill safety, went from the game to critical condition after going into cardiac arrest on the field. And uh, you can see the Cardinals' social media. We've all seen it. They, all the NFL teams have changed the avatars to Hamlet's number three jersey with the words, pray for DeMar. And I'm just curious. I think everyone's curious. How are NFL players processing what everyone saw on Monday night? Yeah, well, I mean, you said it best. You know, this goes way beyond the game. Uh, you know, you're talking about a human life, a player. And I think that's the most important thing before anything, before, you know, any competition or anything it's it's uh, you know human life that's the most important thing here in our health so uh completely heartbreaking to see that and all i can do now is pray and support that he'll be all right and uh you know that's there's a toll isn't there i mean there's a physical toll football takes on you but there is the emotional toll. Even J.J. Watt, and we'll get a lot into J.J. Watt later, he mentioned just the how mentally taxing the game can be, correct? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, you see some of the most competitive players in this league even, you know, um, ha- have it take a toll on them. But even they realize that, you know, this, you know, tragedy is more important than the competition of the game and, you know, just the way the game is played. And so I think um, I think even the most competitive guys in these in this league um, realize that and see the importance. Will knowing that um, you're getting ready to play, of course, this weekend, do you think you'll give it any thought whatsoever, or will you be able to block it out as you play? Um, no, I, the the the, re- 
the first thing I've done any time I stepped on a football field for for a game is is I've blocked every everything out. You know, I will give a hundred percent my support, any way I can help, any way I can you know help with the situation. Um, you know, once once it's time to play, uh, you know, I I that you have no choice but to block everything else out. You know, any problems yeah. that you might have personally. Anything, um, and that's and that's the only way you can you can play this game. You, you know, you can't go out there with with second thoughts or doubts or anything because you know. Uh, so, gotta block it out. And it is amazing, not only the NFL rallying to support Demar Hamlin and his family, the entire country. I mean, literally, he, he has a foundation. They had a modest goal of twenty five hundred dollars or so. That was the goal, the objective. It's approaching seven million dollars mm. right now. It, it is remarkable the support that that he has received. And and week eighteen is scheduled to be played, and that means you're going to the Forty ers and that means you're going to have to get ready for a four quarter game. And you know, you tell us when did you start playing football, and uh, you know, at what point did you figure, okay, you know what? I have a future in this game. Yeah, so the very first time I ever stepped on a football field was my freshman year of high school. Um, I had no idea how to play the game. I didn't know the rules. I never even touched a football before. Um, I simply just went, tried out for the team after seeing a short practice from outside the fence. And I saw, you know, I saw everybody getting after it, hitting each other, because I was a soccer player before. So seeing the physicality and the nature of the game, it's just it, it excited me, and uh, I wanted to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, it took one time for me to watch one of the practices at my high school for me to go and try out myself. So, so Will, I, I want to get this right. You were born within the Las Vegas city limits? Yes, yes. Um, you know, the thing about Vegas is we're a small valley surrounded by mountains. So, you know, um, there's no really, like – out of Vegas area that you live in. Like, everybody lives right there in Vegas. <laughs> it's all pretty much, you know, just packed in there. What was it like growing up as as a kid, man, in Las Vegas, Nevada? Uh, you know, it was uh, very fun, but, you know, very different also. Uh, you know, I grew up with, you know, guys, people asking me questions like, you know, do you have slot machines in your garage? Or I didn't know people <laughs> lived in Vegas. You know, I thought it was just a party town, and <laughs> So, uh, but no, there's actually a lot to, to Vegas that a lot of people don't know. It's a great city to live in. You know, it's a tourist city, so, you know, it's very well invested in. They take care of the roads, take care of the streets, clean. And, uh, you know, it's easy to get around. It's grid-like roads. Uh, and you you can have, you're, you're a water sport guy, you know, outdoorsman. You know, there's, it's it's surrounded by mountains, so there's there's a lot to do. We also have Lake Mead about 30 minutes out. You want snow, 45 minutes out. Mount Charleston gets snow every year. So wow. uh, there's actually a lot to do, and it's a great city to live in. And, uh, you know, as long as I, you don't, uh, you know, head over to those poker tables too much. Yeah, I, I, I just have idea. to ask you this as well, Will, because you're, you're saying that you were a soccer player until you were a freshman in high school? Yes, yes. I, when I, did you when did you know you were an offensive lineman? How old were you when you realized, hey, you know what, man, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be an offensive lineman? Well, I started playing soccer when I was five years old, and uh, you know my pops got me into it. He was my coach actually for for a while. I stopped playing soccer about twelve, thirteen years old, and that was because I was twice as wide as almost every kid on that field. <laughs> so uh, that's when I really knew. You know, soccer wasn't for me, and uh, I needed to proceed. 
um, other options. And like I said, football was um, very, very attractive. And by the time you were done with high school, you had yourself a scholarship. So uh, there you go. <laughs> by the way, speaking of your high school, Will Hernandez, this is your life. Are you aware, Chaparral High School in Vegas, there is one in Scottsdale, that notable alums include Mark Slaughter, Frontman of the glam metal group Slaughter. I think one of Wolf's favorites. I think he had it on his mix cassette before he used to play games back in the day. Stop it. Did you know that? <laughs> that that the front man for Slaughter, the glam metal group, actually went to your high school? I did not, but I'm pumped to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me just a little bit prouder to be a Chaparral alumni. Now, you're not a metal guy, are you? Do you like that? I mean, I listen to everything, but, uh, you know, uh, just a little bit of everything for sure. I mean, back in the day, I mean, more spandex, more makeup, the better for Wolf. You know, he, he, he loved all those bands. Knock it off, oh, yeah. Spy collar and everything. <laughs> Stop it. Hey, That's good. How has your season gone personally, Will? How's it gone? Evaluate yourself for us. Um, you know, it's kind of hard for me to do that because, you know, I'm, I've, always been, I've always been very tough on myself, very tough on, you know, what I do. And I could have done better and I should have done better. So... You know, it's 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 hard for me to sit here and tell you, oh yeah, I did good here, and you know, like I've always said to myself, you could have done better here, you could have done better there, and that's just that's just been the story of my life. And so, you know, <clears throat> especially after missing uh, some games, uh, you know, that's just something that's never happened to me before. So, uh, you know, I got back trying to make it up for it, and uh, but yeah, that that's the that's the facts there that, that I, I did miss some time. So. Just by that, you know, could have done better there. I vividly remember you saying when we had you in the off season after you signed with the Cardinals that some of your rookie year film was some of your best work with the Giants. When you watch your film now, do you, have you recaptured some of that? Because that was sort of your objective going into this year, <coughs> if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, I got back to a lot of what I did. Uh, I started, you know, I had like a whole sit down with myself. I did watch actually a lot of the film for my first couple of years. You know, just kind of remember those details of what I was doing right and what I was doing wrong then. And, you know, people saying I was having a good season, but okay, let me go back and check to see why exactly it is that I was doing and why people were saying I was having a good season. And so, um, you know, I took a lot of those things, refreshed my memory, applied them this year and then also along with things that I've learned this year because you know every year you learn and learn and learn so you know it was kind of a combo of both and uh definitely would say I I you know I, I went back and uh incorporated some of those things back again to to my play this year so Steve Hyden of course has taken over the offensive line room uh, for the most part um anything changed schematically with Steve Hyden in the room uh, not too much, you know. He, you know, he 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 does such a great job of going in there and, you know, working with us, making it a team. You know, we do we do have a lot of vets in the room, even though some of them aren't necessarily playing, but they still chime in. They still are there and uh, you know putting in their two cents. So, I think you know he does such a great job working as a team with us and not just making it about what he thinks or what he wants to do. So, um, a lot of the things remain the same, and there are small details in there that. You know, did change, but for the better, and and this was a collective, uh, collective group. So the Arizona Cardinals O line has started ten different offensive line combinations this year, but at mm-hmm. least the last three games since your return, 
it's been the same starting five. The last three games, Kelvin Beecham earlier today was asked just about O-line chemistry. It is a chemistry deal, and at the end of the day, you have to have time on task, and we ain't always had that at different points in the year, but at the end of the day, that's what you call to do. You call to, to play the game. You call to, to plug and play, and the next man up um, is the mentality that you have to have in the National Football League, um, and when there's an opportunity to be successful and an opportunity uh, to leave a good impression, um, you got to find a way to get it done. So, Will Hernandez, uh, you would not be surprised to learn that Pauly Pencilneck has never played offensive line, okay? So with that in <laughs> mind... How important is that chemistry, just having the same five guys when you're trying to execute the game plan? Yeah, I mean, ideally, that's exactly what you want. You want five guys that know each other, know each other well, have played before, um, you know, have had a lot of snaps. You know, that's that's great. That's like the perfect scenario. It doesn't always happen like that. Cardinals have been a perfect example of that. But I think more than that, I think the second most important thing to having an offensive lineman is, yeah, being able to have that chemistry, but... Also, being able to adapt quickly and, in a way, force that chemistry when things out of your control happen, like you lose a guy or a new guy comes in. And if you're able to do that as an offensive lineman, I think that's what really separates you because, you know, everybody can play well when you're working with a guy that you know, when you're working with a guy that you've worked with for a long time. But how good can you be when a new guy steps in that you've never seen before, you never played with before? And how quickly can you guys adapt to each other and make it work? So I think, uh, you know, as, as good as, it, as having chemistry is, I think it's just as important to be able to adapt quickly. Will, I was so impressed schematically with the offense against the Falcons and how balanced it was from a play call, personnel grouping, and quarterback placement perspective. When you watch the tape, what did you think of your quarterback? Uh, I think, uh, you know, David did a great job. Uh, you know, just exactly what we were just talking about, being able to adapt quickly. And, you know, he didn't have much time to, to get in there and, you know, um, really have a comfortable amount of time to study and, and, and get the reps he wants and be able to um, see all the looks he wants to see. He he just kind of got thrown in there mm-hmm. with limited reps. And, you know, I think he did a, a, a good job adjusting to a lot of the things. And he was in there commanding the huddle, you know, putting ease out in our heads, talking to us, motivating, you know, everything a quarterback should do, and I think he did a great job. I saw him interact with you guys quite a bit on the bench, right, in between series? He yeah. Was, you know, he, he had enough to worry about in his head just schematically and, you know, what, what he has to do out there. So for him to come out and, you know, have that part of, like, talking to us and motivating and, you know, being able to have that leadership, I think uh, says a lot about him, and, and, and I really like that about him. It is pretty remarkable. I mean, David Blau, it was the fourth different starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals in four weeks. That's the second time that has happened to a team since 1950. Wow. Even Cliff Kingsbury sort of shook his head when we relayed that stat to him on his TV show this week. And think about it. Blau had basically Friday practice. Yeah. He had reps in a Friday practice. Then go let it rip. He threw it 40 times in that game. Of course, you guys ran it in that game as well. James Conner. 4.9 4.9 yards a carry. That's coming off the Tampa game where James Conner had 5.3 yards a carry. Remember we asked Billy Price recently, Wolf, about what's one of the first stats he'll look at when he grabs the old stat sheet for an old yep. lineman after the game. That's it, yards per carry. We'll talk about some of that in the Cardinals' ground game, especially going against the Niners team because they are known for the rushing attack and they're known for a number one ranked defense. We continue with Will Hernandez on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.
It's a run play up the middle. Connor down to the five, pushing his way to the two, diving for the one, and close to the end zone when they call it a touchdown. They do! What a run by James Connor! That is a statement run by James Connor. Takes the pig and busts it into Pater. Give to Connor, looking left, runs off the left side, 20-10, races inside the five and into the end zone. James Connor houses it from 22 yards out. That's the Cardinals' run game, wearing down the defense in the fourth quarter. 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, run the ball, and James Connor houses it. He has 75 yards rushing in four of the last five games. Over the last seven games, he's averaging 4.4 yards a carry and has six touchdowns. The Pro Bowl running back from a year ago back into that Pro Bowl form. We'll see if he's going to be available for the season finale after he left the game in Atlanta. Will Hernandez, starting right guard, is our special guest in the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. So we'll pick up where we left off. You know, to what degree do you look at that stat when you get done with a game? Yards per carry. How important is that to an offensive lineman? Oh, very important. You know, we, we pride ourselves on that. Um, you know, if we can have all the passing yards and score can be whatever it is, and if that yards per carry is, is low, we're, we're disappointed. We had a bad game. So, um, you know, that's what sets everything up in our minds. So, um, very important to us. So, Will, has this season taught you anything and if so what is it Uh, yeah i think more than anything you know um we hear it a lot control what you can control Mm. and you know let let whatever else happens around you just happen but you can always you know do things the way you want to do them and uh you know you can fight through anything even though there's chaos going on around you well look the cardinals up front have played 12 different offensive linemen this year so that's part of what you're talking about. Just yes. you got you know, and we've nicknamed it, you know, Beach and the backups. You know, before your return, that was it because the other four guys were back. It was like sort of like a '50s band, you know. And Cliff Kingsbury was asked, I think, by our Jim Almohandro, just about the recent continuity up front. The more you can play together as a unit, the greater rapport you have, and uh, the more comfortable you get with each other. And, and then we know exactly what we're good at and, and what to major in. And, and so hopefully that can continue to be a tough task this week against that defensive line, but they've made big strides the last few weeks. All right, there you, there you heard it, right? Nick Bosa and the 49ers defensive front. So what do you think of when you think of that challenge? They're only ranked the number one defense in the NFL, Will. Yeah, I mean, for, for a good reason. You know, they got great players up front, a good front seven pretty much, linebackers. Um, so, you know, they got good players. They got, you know, captains there. Um, but, you know, the thing is that they got to bring it every week. You know, you don't you don't play your next game really well because of what you've done in the past or because of, you know, you have to bring it every single week. And uh, that's exactly, you know, why what we're going to go do out there. Just bring it. Will, do you think this 49ers front seven is the best in the National Football League? I have to tell you, I, I watch it and looking at it, I think they're the best rush defense in the National Football League. And I think they do a great job of actually getting pressure as well on an opposing quarterback. I think it's the best front seven. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I've played these guys too also when I was with back with the Giants. So, um, you know, I know them pretty well, and uh, I've seen them a lot in my years. And so, uh, you know, I know what they bring. And also, you know, like we talked about before, you know, these guys learn and get better every year. So, yeah, we, we got to expect that, and we got to bring it and 
just just as much. And they have the NFL sack leader in Nick Bosa, 17 and a half sacks. Cliff Kingsbury told us on his TV show that Nick Bosa still holds it against him sort of half seriously, joking around a little bit, a little bit, that the Cardinals didn't take him number one overall. Of course, they took Kyler Murray instead, okay? So so Cliff said, well, in response, if you're going to hold it against us, I'm just going to chip you all game. So that's the back and forth <laughs> that the two of them have right there. But you tell us about Bosa and, and where he ranks, what makes him a great pass rusher, and what's the challenge for the Cardinals' O-line there? Yeah, I mean, Bosa's a great player. And uh, I think if you look at every player that, you know, is even in the running for having the most sacks in the NFL every season, is they're not one-dimensional. You know, they're not just going to, um, you know, put the moves on you and, and get around you. Or they're not just going to bull rush you the entire time and get to the quarterback. You know, these guys normally do it all. You never know when it's coming. They can switch it up, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he could do it all. You got to be ready for everything. And, uh, yeah, you got to be able to, uh, you know, to not only expect it from them but shut it down and, uh, you know, game plan for them. And, you know, there's there's ways to, to stop it. And uh, we just got to get it done. Who is, the, who is the 49ers' best defensive tackle? He might not want to give credit there. <laughs> you're you like, you know, not, he's got, not, he's got a game. Like about, a he's, he's got the game face on. I'm not okay, so sure you're going to get yeah, an answer okay, on that let, one. Let, let me say this. <laughs> let me let me rephrase the question if you don't mind. Um, who's the best 49ers run stuffer? Do you think? Um, I would say uh, probably Greenlaw. You know, he's been he's been uh, you know very stout in there. And uh, he has a good push pull. Uh, you know, he's able to get off blocks uh, and, and able to hold his ground uh, early and get off, shed off blocks, and, and be able to be in the hole um, almost from the two to the six hole, pretty much. You know, he 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 gets in there, mm-hmm. and so I would probably say, you know, him. Cardinals starting guard Will Hernandez, our guest in the Big Red Rage. Look, JJ Watt has been that guy most of his career. When you think of J.J. in his final game on Sunday, what, what do you think? What are you going to tell your grandkids about playing with number 99? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, the first thing you can expect from Watt is he's going to just empty the tank completely. So I'm excited to see that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm going to tell my kids, you know, I, you know, we, I get, I get along with Watt. But, you know, hey, you guys see that guy? I fought that guy one day. I was going to say, <laughs> that wasn't the case in camp this year. There was a little, okay, now that the season's pretty much over, tell us about the dust-up with J.J. Watt in the dog days of camp. Oh, no, man. Um, there's, there's no bad blood there. He's complete professional, and, you know, if you could even call that a fight, you know, I, I would say it was a pillow fight on my end. Um, but, no, he, I've been learning from J.J. Watt ever since I got here. You know, we talk a lot, you know, we, we – we're all in the hot tub together before practice every day, so we get to we get to talking a lot. And he's taught me so much just about his experiences and what he's gone through throughout his years. And I just apply it to to my own career and to my own life. You know, there's little nuggets here there you could take, even though he's a completely different position. Um, but no, Jiji Watt's a, a you know great leader, a great teammate, and he's definitely taught me a lot. So from your perspective, how difficult has it been to be a player on a 4-12 team? And what do you focus on to get motivated for this last game of the season? Yeah, you know, so when you're talking about 4-12, you know, you every, everything's out of the picture for you, you know. 
at this point, the way I see it is you're playing for your for your character, for your pride. Yeah. Um, you're you're playing just to basically show everybody, you know, what kind of mentality you have and yep. what kind of person you are. Um, and it shows through a football game, you know, and it shows how you go out there and you're still playing. Like if you're, you know, trying to make the playoffs or if you're already in the playoffs, but you're trying to get the first seat, whatever. And so um, it's it's all about you know the mindset, the pride, and just having respect for yourself to go out there and, you know, not just lay down for anybody, especially when you have a guy across from you that's going to try to take your head off either way. Like, he doesn't feel sorry for you. So, um, yeah, going out there, playing just as hard as I would, I would if it was any other game and, uh, you know, ended with on, on a good note for whatever, for whatever that means. Wolf, I know you love Will's mentality. It's similar to James Conner. James Conner was asked a couple weeks ago, what are you playing for? What are you hoping to gain at this point between now and the end of the season out of the playoffs? And his answer was some respect. Yep. So yeah, I, I like that answer. And I know it's a, it's a four-win season, but someday you're going to look back at this season, and I'm guessing you're going to remember really fondly your trip to Mexico City. Your grandparents hail from Mexico City. Uh, before we get into it a little bit, um, the grasshoppers that you had, Hard Knocks documented at dinner that one night. Um, you know, tell us what is for those of us who have not experienced grasshoppers as part of a meal. What does it taste like? Can you compare it to anything? Yes, first of all, for all my health uh, uh, health heads out there, uh, they're very rich in protein. Oh, so you know, you don't even have to eat many of them to get a good protein source. Uh, but you know, it's just a thing out there, it's especially in Mexico City. They're big. They've been around forever, and, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, part of, you know, who I am, my parents, where we came from. So, um, you know, that was actually my second time ever ever eating them. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they do it right. They put, yeah. the you know, the chili, the lime on them. They don't just give them to you raw. So sure. they're, they're, they're pretty good. So, Will, I want to make up for asking you the tough question of who the best 49ers defensive tackle is. Okay, so now I want to lob you a big softball. Is Fred Warner good? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, for sure. Um, You know, actually, Fred... Fred and I trained together um, before the combine, and, uh, you know, we we signed with the same agency, and, uh, you know, we trained together all throughout the process before the draft. And so I got to know him very well, and it doesn't honestly it doesn't surprise me to see him where he's at because I've seen his mindset, you know, mm-hmm. since uh, since before he was even ever in the NFL, and uh, you know to, to be able to see it, you know, personally, and be able to train with that guy every day, um, you know, I there, it's no surprise. Is he a talker? Does does he yell out your name at the line of scrimmage? You guys trade a little with back and forth. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of that everywhere, but uh, you know, nah, man, we we. Uh, Fred's not not much of a talker, well, at least since since I how I remember him. But uh, you know he will, you know, if he feels like he needs to or or whatever. But um, you know, we 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 get along pretty good. But we won't we won't be getting along uh, during those uh, three hours on Sunday. Well, well, one, once upon a time, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the story. Once upon a time, I saw Will Hernandez and JJ Watt square off there in a camp practice. No, I get it. It was. <laughs> Okay, but it's good to hear you guys are you know sitting in the hot tub before practice uh, and so forth. That's good. We uh, we enjoyed it. Uh, we've enjoyed him, you, and I know you're one of the what the 30 plus pending free agents. So man, I know Wolf and I are both hoping you're back next season. Yep. All the best on Sunday in this off season. We hope to talk to you soon. Okay. Appreciate that, guys. Thanks for having me. There you go, okay, Will well, Hernandez on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Back right after this. 
Cardinals are now 4-12. It's another loss, but they played well today, in particular the quarterback, David Blau. But another defeat, 20-19. Oh, just heartbreaking right now for the Arizona Cardinals. They play well. David Blau plays extremely well. David will start. Um, last week he didn't get the full process. You know, he just really practiced Friday, so I want to see what he can do. The full process and see kind of how he plays against really good defense. That was Cliff Kingsbury earlier today naming David Blau the starter here for the season finale, Week 18 Cardinals at the 49ers. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. Special thanks again to Will Hernandez, the starting right guard, blocking for David Blau, who threw it 40 times in the game. He had a Friday practice, Wolf. He came out slinging it from the get-go. There was that third and 14 on the opening possession. Boom! He hits Hollywood Brown for 16. Everyone on the sidelines sort of like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. Maybe we have something here. And and there were enough instances where he was going to the right place at the right time. And what he told the media after the game, that was exactly his main objective, that he could make the right decisions and prove he knew what he was looking at. And at times it looked like he was even going through his progressions, a second, third, even fourth read when he had time in that pocket. No, you're right, Paulie, no doubt. Um, He ran the offense like it wasn't his first rodeo, and guess what? It wasn't. Um, He protected the ball above all else. He made some great throws, some great reads as well. For a guy that didn't get uh, serious practice reps on Friday, um, you know, or until Friday, I should say, I don't know what more you could have asked of David Blau. He he went out there, Paul, I think I could count how many bad plays I thought he had on one hand. Yep. I really do. I, I And I'm talking about bad reads. I'm talking about uh, bad throws. I'm talking about physically, mentally, bad plays, bad decisions. You know what? You could count them on one hand. I mean, there was one on a key third down late in the game where Greg Dortch tripped, right? I mean, the turf monster got him. I'm not exactly sure what happened. Maybe his feet got caught up with the DB, but that ball was right on the money for a first down. There was another one down the seam to Trey McBride. He didn't get turned around in time. Maybe the ball could have been in a better place, but there were... Yeah, when he missed, he didn't miss by much. And again, for a guy who'd been in the building for less than three weeks, just... The operation, that's what Cliff Kingsbury said at halftime. Not only ball security, to your point, that was a number one. Number two was just the operation of the offense. Will Hernandez talked about how he was able to communicate and calm everyone in the huddle. How many times have you said that, Wolf? That's the first challenge, right? If a, if a backup quarterback yeah. can get the rest of the team to trust him and believe in him, and it looked like David Blau did just that. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt, Paul, that's what he did. And especially talking to Will Hernandez, who backed that up right there. You know what I loved? I loved the impact that it had on Cliff Kingsbury. Because Cliff Kingsbury, as the play caller, of course, and as the guy that was coming up with the game plan, Cliff Kingsbury really had one of the more balanced attacks of the season. And I'm I'm talking about schematically. I'm talking about from a quarterback placement perspective. Um, We saw David Blau take snaps from under center. We saw it was into the teens, 15, 16 snaps from under center. We we saw him in the gun, of course. We saw him in the pistol. Um, We saw 12 personnel. We saw a mix of personnel groups out on the field as well. Paul, I, I absolutely love that. We saw... 
James Conner putting his toes at six and a half, seven yards and running the tackle zone. We saw David Blau running the boot and the waggle and play action off of that um, seven-step drop and being able to throw the ball down the field because of it, Paulie. I, I was so impressed with the offense, and it just goes to show you that Cliff Kingsbury is not dogmatic. It's not about saying this is going to be my offense and it's going to be this way or it's no way. It's the highway. No, that's not what Cliff is all about. And he tailored a game plan that I thought was built for David Blau. And I loved what I saw schematically. And you're right. The balance was there. They ran it 27 times for a buck 26, nearly five yards a carry. James Conner, five yards a carry. So, and now. Now they get a Niners defense that is ranked number one in most metrics. Now the Falcons were had the second fewest sacks coming into the game, 19 as a team. Uh, Nick Bosa himself has 17 and a half. So this is going to be a different <laughs> challenge, okay? Here's Cliff Kingsbury on the opportunity at the Niners for David Blau. Anytime um, you're in his position and, and you know you get a chance to – Going real games and show what you can do. It's it's huge, and particularly against you know the best team in the NFC and the best defense in the league. Um, it's going to be a great challenge. But yeah, I'm excited for for him to see you know how he handles that. But it's it's a tall task, that's for sure. And we talked about it going into the game. They know what they have in Cole McCoy. They know what they have in Trace McSorley. David Blau definitely has a chance to earn himself a spot, at least a, a chance to compete next season. Don't you think? I would think so. I mean, Paulie, especially based on how he played last week, I would think so. If he goes out there and he he repeats that performance, uh, the consistency thereof, and goes out and makes good decisions and makes good reads and good throws, I, I have no idea why in the world you would not be bringing him back going into training camp next year. Now, that is, if, if in fact he goes out and he plays well again in this game coming up here, Hey, Paulie, there, there might be another team that is looking at David Blau yeah. saying, you know what, there might be a little something-something right there with this Blau guy. So, um, listen, this is going to be a tough challenge. We know it. The 49ers, Paul, lights out, especially inside that front seven. And especially when they're playing for something. They have a shot. With a win, they wrap up the number two seed. And if some things work out in their favor, namely Philly losing, then guess what? They could end up the number one seed with a bye. So there's plenty on the line for the 49ers. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. We know last season, Colt McCoy and company went up there, got a win at Levi Stadium. The Cardinals are 6-2 and two all-time in Santa Clara. Okay, much different Niners team, much different Cardinals team at this point. And, and we know that Kyler Murray, once again, will not be there at the Niners. He had ACL reconstruction to start this week. In fact, if you saw the picture he tweeted out from his hospital bed with the word successful. So there you go. And Cliff Kingsbury was asked about whether he had uh, contacted and communicated with Kyler Murray. Yeah, I texted him yesterday. It went well. So now it starts rehab. I know he was excited to, to get it done and, and get moving forward. And by the way, the NFL Network said they also, quote, stitched up the meniscus in his knee. So uh, that might push his return back a little bit more based on some of the medical opinions out there. In any case, it's uncertain as to exactly what the timetable is. That's right, Paulie. You know, once again, uh, I said this before, it's pure speculation. There is no guaranteed timetable right now. There is none. But as a ballpark, I think you can use nine months. 
you can look at that and say nine months is a ballpark picture right now. And that means typically you're going to be in September before you're even going to start evaluating as to whether or not Kyler Murray's going to go or not. I just don't see him playing before that, Paul. That's just me. He could, but we'll see. And it's one of the reasons Cliff Kingsbury today talked about holding Colt McCoy out, not only just coming off a concussion, want to err on the side of being cautious with anyone's health and well-being, but you're talking about a Colt McCoy who could be your starting quarterback for a good month or two next year. Speaking of, join the season ticket priority list and select your seats before the general public. 2023 opponents include... Yes, the Seahawks, Niners, and Rams, plus the Giants, the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Bengals, all going to visit State Farm Stadium. Go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for more info. That's azcardinals.com slash priority list. All right, more on the Niners, more thoughts from Wolf on what the challenge is going to be. We'll talk about that next Then The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Garoppolo waiting for the shotgun snap. He's got it. Back to pass. In trouble. Steps up. Lobs it deep right side. Caught by Kittle at the 15. Turns left to the 10 to the 5. Touchdown. Great play by Garoppolo. Steps up. And when he stepped up, they lost Kittle on the back end. It's a 39-yard touchdown. Here's a pitch to Samuel on an end around far side of the 40. 35 cuts right 30. 25-20. Far side 15-10. 5 touchdown. Great execution by the 49ers. They ran it. They ran it. They ran it. Here comes misdirection, off play action, and Debo Samuel on the end around. Here's play action, Garoppolo throws to Kittle, left side, caught at the 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, George Kittle puts it away, 37 to 10 with 10 minutes to go. Yeah, that last play right there was as easy as it sounded from the voice of the Cardinals, Dave Pash. Not a lot of tackling, not a lot of want to on that one. That's where it starts with the 49ers. They're going to make you tackle. And look, I can bust out all the stats we want from that first meeting in Mexico City, Wolf, but we know everything changed at halftime when the Niners came out to start that second half. And what exactly did they do? They basically put the plow down, did they not? No, that's what they did, Paulie. No doubt. They came out and they said, we're going to run the ball, and you're going to have to stop us right now. And that's what they did. They lined up and they ran the ball. You know what? This is the San Francisco 49ers, though. It really is. In particular, under Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, these These guys believe in the line of scrimmage and building your strength on the line of scrimmage. you got to think about it right now, Bully. This is a team that is in the top ten in rushing defense in terms of rushing yards per game allowed and rushing yards per play allowed. They're in the top ten in rush offense in terms of rushing yards per game and rushing yards per play, Polly. There's very few teams. I think there's one other team that actually can claim that they have that, that their defense and their offense is in the top ten in the National Football League in rushing stats. Yeah, they have a seventh-round rookie. Brock Purdy, last pick in the draft, and their offense hasn't missed a beat. I mean, whether it's the run game, whether it's the scheme, whether it's Brock Purdy himself, he just joined Kurt Warner as the only QB since 1950 to win their first three starts while throwing multiple touchdown passes in every game. He's been sharp, there's no doubt. He was the 2017 Arizona Cardinals High School Player of the Year from Perry High School in Gilbert. And then, Wolf, they have the number one ranked defense in the NFL. So... And you made the point with Cliff Kingsbury. They're not exactly going to dial it up. D'Amico Ryan's their defensive coordinator. He's more apt to rush three or four, isn't he? 
No, no doubt, Paulie. That's what they do right there. They don't have to bring five to get pressure. Five is a pressure package, and that really is in the National Football League. That is the scheme a lot of the time on third down. They're going to bring five. You just don't know which five are actually going to come. A lot of people like to play blitz bail, the defensive coordinators. They'll play that blitz bail. They'll line six guys up on the line, and all of a sudden bail went on the snap or vice, whatever it may be. They're going to try to do things to confuse your protection schemes the 49ers don't have to do any of that they have to line their four guys up i i talk about this all the time but there are basically three ways you can generate pressure on a quarterback and the 49ers do that via the better than and that is just we got four guys that are better than your five guys that are trying to block us our four are better than and that's what they have. They rush four and they drop seven, and that is who the 49ers are. But it all starts with stuffing you in a pine box, metaphorically speaking, in rundown situation. Yeah, they've won nine in a row. Uh, the first eight wins in that streak, they allowed 20 or fewer points in every game. Now, the Raiders somehow, and Jarrett Stidham hit him for 34, and, and he had three touchdown passes. The only other quarterback to do that against the Niners' defense all year was Patrick Mahomes. So you have that. Niners are the division champ. Cardinals, that's who they're chasing in the offseason. And Cliff Kingsbury was asked about this four-win campaign so far. It's a year you learn from, you know. Um, it's one of those deals where perspective-wise, it's like things either happen for you or to you, and I choose to see them as happening for us and, and lessons that we got to learn and be better moving forward. And sometimes um, you have to face adversity and you have to have a season like this to, to – find the things you really got to get fixed and get corrected. And so I think organizationally we have a chance to um, get it right and move forward and, and try to be better. Look, ever since the Cardinals were 10-2 and two last year, Wolf, they've lost 17-22. So whether that was losing their eye on the fastball the end of last season and not you know concerned as much about the details, whether it's been all the injuries this season – they need to assess the situation and implement some solutions, right? They need to put solution into New Year's resolution. And for a league where, once again, every year since 1990, there have been at least four different playoff teams, you can ascend or you can descend every single year. It can happen quickly, but it can go either direction. Yeah, Paulie, you know, again, I agree with what Cliff is saying right now. It is. You can learn from it. This is where you find out who's really tough. This is where you find that out. And I'm not just talking about players. I'm talking about people. When you go through a season like this, I've been through a lot of 4-12 and seasons, Paul. Okay, maybe not a lot. Uh, more than one. Let's put it that way. 4-12 and season, 5-11 and season. I've been there. I've been through that. And you got to walk through it, Paulie. This is something I've been talking about a lot this week but it's the truth there's an old saying in football just walk through it that's what you do it doesn't matter what comes your way walk through it don't lose your mind you don't have to run through it you don't have to swing your way through it you have to walk through it you have to be consistent you have to have the eyes down and the chin squared and the shoulders back and you have to walk through it whatever it is and if you'll look if you'll look around you you can learn more when you're walking through a dark period than you'll ever learn when you're walking in the sunlight, metaphorically speaking. There will be change. Look, we know that much. It might start Monday, for all we know. Nobody truly knows. But there's 32-plus pending free agents on this roster. 
We don't exactly know where the quarterback situation stands going into next year. Uh, look, I, you know, there's going to be a top five draft pick. You would think Cardinals can still pick as high as two. They can fall as low as six. Right now they're currently slotted fourth. So there's a lot. That, and who exactly is making some of those personnel decisions in the offseason? So there's, this is going to be a very proactive offseason. If there's one thing we've learned about this team is that they go about trying to correct whatever issues they just went through. We saw it after 2018. They were ultra-aggressive. I fully expect that sort of offseason again this year. Yeah, Paulie, you talked about the over 30 free agents that are actually going to be free agents in the free agent period coming up. Um, Man, that is a mass exodus, so to speak. Now, of course, they're going to bring a lot of them back, and let's hope they do. But um, a lot of change is coming towards the Arizona Cardinals and I think they need to rebuild from a personnel perspective on the line of scrimmage offensively and defensively. Totally agree. Episode 54 of the Day Pash podcast, by the way, is out. It's U of A men's basketball coach Tommy Lloyd. Special thanks to Will Hernandez, our special guest here tonight, Jim Almohandro, Zach Larson, for Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.